Hey, welcome in everyone to the Haven Podcast. You'd be listening to anything else in the world right now, but you're listening to me, and I appreciate that. Hope you all had a thankful Thanksgiving. Didn't embarrass yourselves during the holiday or get uh, recorded trampling someone at a retail store during Black Friday, and you ruined a family's Christmas. So hopefully you guys did good on that front, but that's not why you listen. So with that said, I want to jump into a couple things today, and we got a jam-packed news-slash-rumor-heavy episode as long along with or attached to it my um thoughts and feels my official review if you will fallout 76 and i'll go into detail when we get to that portion of the episode of why i'm not doing a traditional spotlight episode with it and everything like that but i want to i want to give you some good stuff and um yeah this is uh this is gonna be some good there's some good shit coming in so i'm excited for this stuff um but yeah as far as you know what we're touching on today we have on the docket for the episode um, PlayStation will be skipping E3 2019 next year. That is not a rumor. That's officially confirmed. Um, and, but we do have the rumor on some tidbits going on with the PlayStation 5. Um, also, another rumored coming out of the Microsoft's camp that they will be announcing and launching in 2019 of next year a new Xbox console. And we'll go into details there as well. And last but certainly not least, and on terms of the rumor front from Microsoft's camp, uh, Microsoft is possibly looking into purchasing um, IO Interactive, the developers of the Hitman, the latest two Hitman series. And then, like I said, we'll close all this episode out with my official review of Fallout 76. So with that said, let's start the show. So let's start with the PlayStation Escape 3 tidbit. So this came out, I believe it was last week. Um, this actually kind of got traction and started this uh, fire from a user named Ruth Nick Cookie. Um, I believe over on Reddit, uh, so that's always good. Uh, I guess this person has a track record with leaking stuff and calling you know his or her shot and it coming to fruition, so they have a pretty good track record. So after this came out, Variety reported on it and confirmed like, yep, and then PlayStation gave an official statement over to the folks over at Game Informer, letting them know that, hey, it's, it's legit, you know, we are going to be skipping out on E3 2019 this year. So I'm pulling this from BGR just so I can get you guys the exact wording here um, in terms of what Sony was kind of saying and everything like that when the news came out. So this is kind of what Sean Layden said, who runs PlayStation. He's like the head guy over there. Um, now that we have Spider-Man out the door, we're looking down in 2019 to games like Dreams and Days Gone, but we wouldn't have enough to bring people all together in some location in North America to have the event. We don't want to set expectations really high and not deliver on him. It was a hard decision, but we have determined that this year we will not hold PlayStation experience. That was talking about last year. So as far as like the official statement that they gave to Game Informer, uh, Sony said, as the industry evolves, um, Sony Interactive Entertainment continues to look for inventive opportunities to engage the community, uh, the company told Game Informer. PlayStation fans mean the world to us, and we always want to innovate, think differently, and experiment with new ways to delight gamers. As a result, we have decided not to participate in E3 in 2019. We are exploring new and familiar ways to engage our community in 2019 and want to share our plans with you, or we can't wait to share our plans with you. So, uh, basically, they didn't give an answer of why they're not there and all that stuff. So, with that said... I I thought this was kind of surprising to me. So we've been seeing a trend when it comes to E3, which is the Super Bowl of video games, where the electronic consumer X and electronic what the hell experience something, but what I don't I don't remember what E3 stands for. But um, bottom line, 
the people that run E3 are not the developers, right? They've become super duper greedy in terms of like the money they ask for. It's it's an arm and a leg to put a booth there on the main floor. So when you see EA, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo, um, Nintendo backed out years ago from participating with like a live show with like um, what's it called the press conference, right? Um, and I think like two years ago they skipped out on having a booth at E3, which was kind of a big deal, but they still held their Nintendo Treehouse event, which announces their upcoming game. So they're still involved. They just kind of do it to their own drum. Um, they came back and added a booth to it and everything. Microsoft is still a mainstay there. But stuff like EA, when they do their presser, they do it on a Saturday. Like, it's in the L.A. area where E3 is taking place, but it's off. It's nowhere near, like, or not near. It's not a part of E3. It just so happens they're like, hey, we're throwing this huge press conference announcement for E3, you know, but we're not having anything to do with E3. So I think PlayStation, them doing what they did... Um, I think it's twofold. I don't think it has anything to do with E or the E3 company and the people that run it so much. But they even said like they're not doing floor space, which that's kind of interesting to see. So we're approaching that next year will be the 25th anniversary, if I remember correctly, of the PlayStation brand, right? We know they're working on PS5. Heck, there's rumors and from a lot of different sources that the PS5 dev kits are already in the possession of developers. Okay, So we know they're working on it. And they have a pretty great idea of where it's going. I'm sure production's ramping up and everything like that. So I think the reason why Sony is skipping it is I think they just kind of want to do their own thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if next year, 2019, they have... I mean, if they're out of E3, I would... My best bet is that maybe like in May or something, they'll have like a PlayStation... Like, kind of how they did the PS4, like, an announcement. Like, hey, here's the PS5, but we're going to give you just a little tease of it and everything. And just tell you about all the amazing things. And I think at PSX, which I think is generally at the end of the year, like in November, December of 2019, is when they'll do a full PlayStation 5 reveal and everything like that. Normally, I would just say that that full reveal would be at E3, but since they're skipping out, it makes sense for them to do it at their own event and everything like that. And... You know, it's also a good way to be honest to like give it to the community, to your fan base, because that's mostly what that event is for, is for the hardcore PlayStation fans. So to have an event that is like, hey, we're inviting our hardcore fans in to come join us and share in this amazing announcement with us, and they also give them the ability to get hands on with it afterwards, which I hope they do, that's fucking awesome. Like that is super cool on Sony's part if they do that. Like super smart and very cool of them. Um, so I hope. I, I would assume that's going to be the case with them skipping out on E3. And then, I mean, I would say probably, what, 20? I think they're going to wait to announce the release date of PS5. They're waiting on Microsoft. I think if Microsoft comes out of the gate early, they'll follow up in the holiday and try to capture those sales. But if Microsoft's like, we're going to go holiday, I think PS5 might get out of the gate first in 2020. Um because, I mean, they can ramp that production up. I think they have, they've given themselves the leeway to do it. So, um, yeah, kind of a big deal that they're skipping out on E3, I think. it's. Uh, I think when you have one of the major people... Nintendo's kind of weird with certain stuff, but I think if Microsoft and or Sony was like, we're not going to even have a booth presence or we're not doing a conference at all, that's they need one person to kind of make that bur big first step of, like, we're not distancing ourselves, we're just leaving the party. And that's what Sony's clearly done with this. And we'll see if they come back in 2020 and everything like that. Um, I I don't know why you would if it works out pretty well for 2019. 
um, on their end to do their own thing. If it works out great, then yeah, what's the point? Why would you go back and spend the arm and the leg and, you know, share the announcement and the hype and the news with everybody? But I mean, for the benefit of Sony, they usually have their press conference Monday night and the show starts Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, E3 does. So they get the last bit of news and that hype around it, you know, sometimes depending how the show goes. Um, if they have a bad showing, then that's the narrative going forward, which is that can be a pain in the ass too. So, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see. I think with them kind of backing up, there's no reason for them to come back to the show. And I mean, as long as their thing that they're going to be doing solo next year, their two events for the PS5 reveal is it goes well, then I don't see any reason why they should come back unless it goes bad, then they have to. So, um, speaking of PlayStation and all their happenings, we have a new rumor, uh, in regards to the PS5. So I pulled this from TechSpot. Um, let's see here. Oh, it's actually from the same guy. That's great. So on the same Reddit thread, uh, the same user that broke the PlayStation um, is not going to be at E3 days prior to the official announcement, Ruth Nick Cookie. He wrote on the actually same blog about the long-rumored PlayStation 5. Um, they claim it will be announced sometime in the middle of next year and with the full reveal coming at a later PlayStation experience event. Oh, okay, so there you go. Uh, the PS5 will then launch in either March or November 2020. Sweet, dude. Okay. So I'm not totally off base with my logic. Um, Ruth Nick Cookie describes the PS5 as a monster, a 4K60 stable, and at the same time, uh, kind of monster, adding that it features a Ryzen 8-core CPU, which aligns with previous rumors. Back in April, it was claimed that the console would also use a custom GPU based on AMD's upcoming Navi architecture. Um, the Reddit user also mentions that most developers already have the PS5 kits. Another rumor we heard earlier this year is that the machine will cost 500 bucks at launch. Um, Game-wise, Ruth Cookie says that the three upcoming PS4 titles, Death Stranding, The Last of Us Part Two, and Ghosts of... I'm just going to call it sashimi because now I think of that and I want sushi. Um, it could be borderline racist with that. I don't know, but it does look like a good game. And it also, I love sushi. But anyways, I just, um, they all will be a PS, they will all PS5 launch games. We still don't know if backwards compatibility will be present, but it seems like a safe bet. And then in addition, PS5 VR is also getting a successor. Um, let's see. All this is just rumor, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's just him trying to, salt people so they don't get all crazy and go after him in the comments if this guy turns out to be bullshit but i do love at the end of it this ruth Nick cookie guy also did say though that he called bioware's anthem a mess in its current state and said it will also be delayed with the february 2019 launch date getting pushed back so i can't wait to hear that and see that that sounds good to me so um yeah like i think that's kind of like going to be the standard going forward is going to be 4k 60 like you have to hit that with these consoles no more of this like trickery you know and you know like what they do with 4k like the playstation does now with checkerboarding it's like no they want the full experience gamers do you kind of microsoft especially with the x has given them that taste a little bit and i know for me i've always been a console gamer so the few times that i've been able to play a xbox x game in true 4k and at 60 is a great experience but then having everything else rendered up the yin yang on high level like just intense graphics like draw distances and everything in the shadowing it adds a different layer to it it absolutely does and i have just been like shit so when you play a game that doesn't offer that it does take away from the game a little bit which is interesting to me so um 
yeah, man, it's just one of those things where it's very, I mean, if it's coming out with those specs, holy shit, that thing's a monster. So, and I'm sure there's communication behind the scenes where Microsoft knows this too. So it's all going to be about who is going to try to up that or match it, but do it at a reasonable price point. So if PS5 is going all in at 500 bucks for that monster and that beast of a console, that might be, they might be in trouble there. Microsoft can counter that by saying, we also have a 500 option, but you know, that's our Scarlet machine. But then we have this guy too, which is going to be like our streaming box for people that think, you know, that that's too expensive for them. So I'm just very interested to see how both companies present it, what directions they go and everything like that. Cause clearly it's, it's clear to see that my, uh, PlayStation is going to be going more into the VR front. Microsoft has basically like a, hey, we're not touching that there yet. You know, like we think it's far away. And then in Microsoft is like, hey, but we have Game Pass, which is our version of Netflix. And we have, you know, our game sharing across the board and we're bringing it to PC. And, you know, like they're doing some cool stuff too. So I'm very curious to see what wins out. At the end of the day, it's going to come down though, regardless of what's underneath the hood. And that does play a part, I think more so than ever in consoles. It's going to come down to price. It's going to come down to your message. It's always been that way the last couple of years, especially, but that's what it comes down to. If you are going to F people over with price and deliver it in a shitty message, you're going to have an Xbox One launch situation on your hands, and you definitely don't want to do that. So um, anyways, with that said, yeah, real cool, exciting stuff. So then, of course, we got to go over to Microsoft um, because they are just they got some shit, too, that they're brewing. So I caught this also from Reddit. See, I've never claimed to be a video game journalist, guys. I hope you you know that. Like, it's just me doing the legwork of rounding up all the video game news and rumors I can find and just presenting them to you um, in a straightforward, without bullshit attached way to it. Like, I think that's the essence of the Haven podcast. So I do the legwork so you guys don't have to worry about searching up Reddit rumors because I got you covered. And you feel like you're an insider, too. So um, <laughs> with that said, um, this is coming from... Sorry, the wife has the iPad, and usually I use that for my notes, so I'm going back and forth on the iPhone right now and, and all that stuff. So, um, let's see. Oh, this is from Windows Central. So, this is about Microsoft. <clears throat> um, There's a rumor that leaked out that they are launching a new Xbox console in 2019. So, I saw this, and I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, you guys got to calm down with your fucking releases. But according to Windows Central, and then there was um, another... Um, whatchamacallit, another leaker from Reddit that put this up as well on the official Xbox X uh, subreddit. Um, they basically said in 2019, Microsoft's going to release a <clears throat> a newer version of, or a different version, I think is more appropriate, of the Xbox One S, and it's going to be diskless, so no disk drive in it. That helps cut down costs, and they're going to try to hit a $200 you know, price point for this device. For people that do have physical copies or do purchase them, they could take them into a certified, whether it's like a Microsoft store or another retail partner that Microsoft partners up with, and they can trade that physical copy in for a digital code if they want to. So clearly I wonder if they're going to do something. Cause I assume there's gonna be a USB drive on this thing. If they end up doing something where like, Hey, for hardcore people, if you have like an external disc drive, just plug it in. If it's Blu-ray and you can make it work, you know, I don't know how that's going to be cost effective though. And don't forget, that's a big part of why I think people value the Xbox as of late the last couple of years, more than PlayStation is because you did see a Blu-ray drive and put it in and everything like that. So, um, <clears throat> 
yeah, it's really interesting to see. And um, I, I'm all about digital now. I've been on the digital trend for the last couple of years. I just think it's completely convenient and it's easy. But don't get me wrong. There's so many times where I'm on Amazon or I'm on, you know, cheap ass gamer or Xbox deals or something. And someone posts like, oh, hey, this new edition of like um, Tomb Raider is 20 bucks. I'm like, dude, the game just came out. It's already like. 40 bucks off you got to be shitting me but it's always physical i would love to be able to purchase something like that take it somewhere and they're going to charge you a couple extra bucks like let's be honest they're going to be basically doing what voodoo and walmart does when you brought them your hard copies and they're like it's a couple it's like a dollar or two to get a digital version of it they're probably going to do the same thing Um, which sucks don't get me wrong but that's probably going to be the end of it and so to have that option is really good. I like that. It opens up more layers for me to actually purchase and stuff like that. Because with digital, I definitely feel like you are overpaying for stuff or not getting a deal, I think, is more appropriate. Because there's plenty of times where I've, you know, had to wait to the Black Friday or some kind of big digital sale on the Xbox storefront to buy something when I've seen the physical copy of it on sale for like 30, 35 bucks off. And I'm like, Ugh. I don't even know if the digital price is even when it's on sale is even going to hit that mark. So, um, no, I think I think the timing's really fucking weird though. So I wonder if they're just doing this to kind of scale back on the costs, maybe of the of just building the Xbox Ones. That's the only thing I can think of, and maybe they save money there, and then they can apply it to the X and get the X price down a little bit further. Because I think going into Black Friday, all X's should be three ninety nine ninety nine. So 400 bucks for that machine is a fucking steal. Like, oh my goodness. Like, and you'll find a coupon a stack too, I'm sure, to take a couple extra bucks off. Like, if you haven't already, get a fucking axe. Uh, buy into it. I think even with Scarlet next year, it's not going to hold anything back. It's still going to be a great machine to have and what have you. So, um, I mean, 400 bucks for an X is insane. And if they can save a couple bucks on the back end by shrinking the cost of, you know, well, I guess not. It wouldn't matter. Because they're trying to get the price point down. I don't know. It made sense in my head when I started talking about it. But I don't know how math works. So don't take it from me. Uh, yeah, so it's just one of those things where I wonder, like, I think the timing is a little odd. The whole discless thing in 2018. Because, I mean, 2020 is the rumored Scarlet reveal or the Scarlet release. So, I mean, next year they're going to reveal, what, the S as a discless unit. And then be like, now the X is price dropped too. And then here's the Scarlet and it, Oh, here's our streaming device. If that's all legit, like you're going to have what three, four different consoles out on the market. Like that's when you start playing with fire. Like you gotta, you gotta be careful with that shit. So I'm very curious about that. So, um, speaking of moving on to our next last, actually our last rumor of today's episode, before we get into the fallout jazz, um, Microsoft is looking into purchasing IO interactive. This also comes from, Actually, this comes from Reset Era. Um, this is via Cloberly. Cloberle. I can't. Oh, I'm. I cannot enunciate anything to save my life. Um, he's a. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A usual user of uh, Reset Era or Reset Era, whatever the hell they call it. See, again, words are hard. Um, so he is always leaking Xbox stuff and news and rumors, and he I think is like ten for ten right now with all his stuff. Like, so he's great. So he just had a little thing about IO Interactive. Um, I think financially they're doing kind of, ugh, they're in a weird spot. They were part of Square Enix. They bought themselves out and they got the Hitman license. Um, the Hitman game they did a couple years ago was brilliant. I know the Hitman 2 that just came out and people seem to be like, ugh, 
this just seems like Hitman 1.5. I have yet to play it, and I but I really like the first Hitman that they did. It was great engine. Everything about it was just ugh, so, so fucking good. And this is actually a company that when they were looking to separate from Square Enix, I think I said on the podcast, I would love to see Microsoft purchase them. I think their experience with doing episodic content, which was, was the fit, first Hitman, lends itself so well to Game Pass. And I wonder how many of these studios that Microsoft has purchased, if they're going to do something where it's like, hey, you work on a AAA game, we'll put it on Game Pass when it's ready to go. But also, let's expand the team a little bit and do a smaller team to do to work on smaller projects that can go straight into Game Pass and we don't have to worry about putting a putting a physical copy on it. Do you know what I mean? And putting it in store shelves and stuff like that. And that could, again, increase the exclusive catalog of Microsoft on their own Game Pass, their own subscription service that they're pulling. And I think it's a double win for them and a huge win at that if they do that. Um, it just has so many benefits to it. And so then you take a uh, you take a risk on a smaller project. You don't have to worry about shelf space and all that bullshit and dealing with retailers. It goes right on your network. And the thing is, if you hit it big and it turns out to be an awesome game, you've spent a very small budget in order to do that. So it's just a double win for you. And now, boom, you got another IP underneath the belt of a studio. You've given that studio more confidence and you've just helped your catalog grow. So um, I'm all about them purchasing it. And if they have to fix their leadership out above all of Obsidian, then so be it. That's what I'm about. I'm just all about Sony, Microsoft making kick-ass games that are fun, push the limits, don't molest us with microtransactions, Um hopefully no molesting of microtransactions whatsoever would be ideal but i know what kind of gaming landscape we live in right now but yeah that's the way it goes so that's that's what i'm all about do that don't screw us the consumer over and so far it's it's been going okay and hopefully it continues and everything in the next generation so all right guys let's go on to our final bit for today's episode where we at on time so we're at a little over 21 hmm let's i'm gonna actually cut no ah fuck it we'll do it it's fine i just want to make sure there's not enough there is enough time to talk about it so fallout 76 right been a lot of it we touched on it throughout the weeks or last week's episode i've talked about it a lot leading up to this episode looking forward to this game you know so i've played i want to say if i'm remembering correctly a little over 100 plus hours of this game um I've rolled two different characters. My primary one that I'm using now, he's rated Ding 30. So I have not hit the end game of Fallout whatsoever. And so I can't really talk on that. So I feel a little bit like, uh, you know, doing a review on it and everything. Because for all I know is like, I could like what's been happening and then I get to the end game and it's a bag of bad. And then what's the point of it? So if that's the case, I will eat crow on the episode then if that's what it is but for what i've played so far and it's tough because when you have these games that are really big i take my time with games i don't actually like to try to rush them and just like force feed a review out to like kind of hit the masses i think that's really dangerous and a lot of people do that and unfortunately too we've seen with a lot of video game reviewers whether it's like a big time person like ign that sort of thing or even smaller guys you're in this you're in this fucking foot race to like i got a review look at my review because your review could blow up if you do this as a living as a content creator or a podcaster and it's really good for views right so that's that that's kind of one of the sides of the scale that i kind of deal with this but i also think too 
I've read countless articles about developers that, like, no, we program the first, like, 30, 35 hours of the game a certain way, then the rest of it's going to be different because we know the average reviewer only plays the first 20 to 25, and then they give a fucking review, which to me is fucking bullshit. Like, you got to be careful. This one, I think, is a little bit different with this kind of online MMO kind of thing to it a little bit. So, um, again, I've been putting a lot of hours into it, and I think they're quality hours. It's not just me running around grinding in one certain zone of the map on fallout and be like i think i got this game like no and that's the thing so the reason i didn't do a spotlight episode of this is because for those that have listened to spotlight i do it in a certain way it's very scripted there's certain um maybe an elegance i try to have with it um try to be a little more professional sounding so when i started writing the script for uh the spotlight episode of 76 I just felt like I couldn't find the right words, let alone the right tone, to really talk about and convey what I was feeling and thinking about this game. So I was like, let me take it back to the lab and try to do something a little bit different with it and be a little bit more loosey-goose, a little more casual with it. So if you like the reviews better this way, hey, let me know and I'll, you know, I could do it this way instead of spotlights or I'll make spotlights like this, whatever. But that's, that's a different conversation. So my official review of Fallout 76... I see a lot of on the, this is weird for me. And I was talking about this with my wife or I mentioned to her yesterday. Usually when a movie or a game comes out and I have an opinion on it, I can kind of know right away and then I'm going through. And then when I look at the masses and their opinion after I've officially done mine and I'm like, Oh, they kind of align, right? This might be one of the few times that I have a strong positive opinion about something that the the way vast majority of people, whether it's users or critics, do not see eye to eye on. If you listen to a lot of the majority of these people, you would think Fallout 76 is the second coming of Hitler, that it's going to come in your house and rob you and do horrible things to your wife and your children or your significant other. I'm here to tell you that's not the case. Um, I think, like, like, I'm trying to think where to start with this. So... Let's do the basic, like, graphic story, etc. That's always a safe place to start. Graphically, Fallout, um, there are certain moments they have in the game where it looks absolutely mind-blowing in a great way. Then there's other things I see where I'm like, okay, that looks like ass. It's stuff like, you know, the draw distances, the clipping, and, and it just takes you out of it. And, like, I had one where I turned around, there was a door that was doing this cool, like, magic trick where it was, like, rainbow-colored and went back to it. And I'm like, Ugh, okay, so that could be issues with the engine, them taking a very old engine in Fallout 4 and trying to make it and update it and tweak it to fit this modern-day online shared world. I mean, I think that's, if people have a debate or a question or concerns about that in terms of the engine they're using, I understand that. I, I can have that conversation. I think that's a very reasonable discussion to have. So the gameplay loop of Fallout, from what I can tell so far, is I don't know what it is. Meaning, I think for anyone that puts it in the corner and says, this is a looter shooter. You go around, you kill enemies, you get loot, you break it down or equip it onto the next one. It's It starts off that way. And then you have people that say, you know, now going on the story standpoint, there's no NPCs, there's no story. There's robotic NPCs, but they don't do anything. Like, they, you press A to interact with them, they have one line, then you trade with them. That's pretty much it. Or you come across one in the wild, and they give you a mission or, like, an event to do. And the dialogue from there that they're talking and conversing in with you as you walk, because you're not talking back to them, can be really funny. 
can be really cool and unique where you're like, that's kind of cool how they did it. But there's not enough of that. From a main story standpoint, when you emerge from the vault, and just to put in context for people that don't know, is, again, I'm not a huge Fallout fan. This is my very first Fallout like experience that I'm going balls deep in, and I am enjoying it. I'm having actually a very, very good time with it. So when you emerge from the vault, uh, it's called Vault 76, it's in West Virginia, the nukes, the bombs have already dropped, I think, 10 years prior. So why the fuck would there be any NPCs? Literally, bombs just dropped, and there's, like, ghouls and fucking mutants and mutated fuckers, and there's possums with fucking three heads running around. Like, come on. Like, like you think there's going to be just a traitor out there? Like, I have a quest, sir, for you. Come over here. I know you just emerged from the vault, and you're very, very out of sorts because everything is blown to fucking smithereens and you've seen a three-headed possum but i was wondering could you go to the mountaintop in the northeast corner of the map and grab me the key i need this key to go to a mine and then from there after you go to the mine if you can find my favorite pair of underwear and return it back to me i would be eternally grateful here's some soda caps like let's let's fucking like kind of break it down here a little bit like let's you know and i've said before i'm pretty confident that they're going to do an expansion or dlc down the road that will introduce npcs um, like humanoids that you interact with. And I think that loans itself to the lore and the story and the rules of the universe they're trying to create with this game. There are factions you come across, and a lot of the main story is when you emerge, you follow what's the, who's called the Overseer, and she's the gal that kind of ran the vault, and she's the first one to get out and leave as you and the other vault dwellers you um, get up and you explore West Virginia, right? So you're following her journals, and that only is a couple hours, it felt like to me. And she, through that, that's how she teaches you the basics of the game, takes you to some key areas, and and kind of introduces you to the gameplay loop. So very smartly done on Bethesda's part, I have to say. Um, I just dropped my phone. Oh, jeez. Um, so they do that, right? So that's, that's cool. And then after a while, they do open up the floodgates, and it's like, okay, free roam. Go do whatever it is you want to do. So this game does not hold your hand. That I've noticed. Um... And I personally like that. This does have, and I've said this before, it does show later as you get into the game, it shows a lot of characteristics and personalities similar to old school Ultima Online and Star Wars Galaxy, you know, edition one kind of thing. And I love that. Um, people are like, oh, this is not an MMO. I, you know, at this point, if this is an MMO, I don't know what the fuck an MMO is. So there you go. Um, I feel like with Fallen, I know a lot of people have been experiencing a lot of glitches on playing on the X. Honestly, my experience has been very good. There's been some very, um, there, or there's, I should say there's been a few mistimed, really inconvenient disconnects from the server as I'm doing something that have gotten me like my blood pressure up a little bit. So you come across these things called workshops and workbenches, or excuse me, yeah, workshops in the game. So they're an area you go to, you fight for it, you claim it, you wipe out some NPCs, and as you once you've claimed it, you can build defenses around and build these harvester machines that harvest like gold and iron and material that you need to later on in the game or currently to upgrade your stuff, build stuff, fix it, etc. Right? Uh, or you can use it to build on your camp, your house, you know, tons of shit. You know, it's all mats. So you do all that stuff. It's really cool. You got to, like, draw energy to it, which I really, really enjoy. And then people, other NPCs will randomly come in waves and attack you and try to claim it back. Or other players will, too. So that how's a, that's how a PvP element opens up. Um, and real quick on PvP, that's fake news. No one can just come up out of nowhere and just shoot you and, and start shit with you and give grief you and gank you. It doesn't work that way. You can turn on pacifist mode and you're good to go. So 
but back to the workshop thing. Um, so there's times where like I had one situation where I built on it and it was great. And I'm like, this is so cool. I spent like 25 minutes like building up the defense. I'm like, boom, I'm going to harvest the fuck out of this place. And then boom, I get a message disconnected from server and I'm like, fuck. So I go to log back in and it takes me to a different instance. So all that work I did and claiming of that workshop is now gone. That's fucking infuriating. So I wish they had something in place. And I think that's the deal with fallout is they're, I've always been pretty good when it comes to glitches and everything like that within games that I don't experience the game breaking sh uh, shit too often. I've had a couple in my life, but not nothing crazy. Now I look at like my brother, Dan, who goes and he experiences anything and everything wrong. Like the worst RNG, he fucking, his Xbox blows up shit like that, right? Like he's on the other scale Then my brother, Tommy, he's in the middle. I think he experiences, you know, a little bit of each and stuff like that. Infuriating at times, hair pulling, etc. Um, while I'm on the other end of the spectrum where I'm usually pretty clean about it. So a lot of the issues that people have been complaining about and you know, rightfully so with bugs and game breaking stuff from fallout 76, regardless of what platform they're playing on, I have yet to experience that or see them. And I'm looking for them more so than ever because of all these, of all this wording, um, or the, the narrative that it is. So I can only go give a review or my opinion on something based off of what I've played, but also report to you what I hear. So again, I haven't really experienced that. Now I think a lot of what can be fixed and make Fallout 76 more of a better palette cleanser, if you will, is there's a lot of quality of life shit they can do in this game. And that goes without question, you know? So for example, when I talked about the workshop, I would love the option where it has something in the system that if it says, hey, you've been disconnected from a server, okay, you press A and you just log back into where you were. Like do that with disconnects, you know what I mean? Um, I would personally like that, but if you log out on yourself, you know, by your own doing, and then you log back in, of course they're gonna take you to a different world. Um, they have it now where if you group up and you disconnect, when you log back in, you press A and you can right, go back into the group that you were just with. So again, keep in mind guys, I have developed all but one game in my life and it was a shit show, but I have read hundreds upon hundreds of articles and read hundreds and hundreds or watched hundreds and hundreds of videos of how to develop video games. So it seems like an easy fix. So just keep that in mind, you know, just a little, little bit of humor for you guys. Um, so it's just something, it's stuff like that or like, oh, hey, I'm crafting or I'm, I'm repairing something. Let me be able to hit a button and boom, I'm able to compare, you know, my current armor set or current weapon to what it is I want to make or craft or anything like that. Instead of me going back and forth, having to memorize numbers, like stuff like that. But then they, they do do certain stuff with like, for example, um, how many times have you played a game where you create a character, right? And your guy looks so cool. And then when you emerge or you start playing the game, you do a cutscene or you see your guy in a certain light or gal and look, you look like a fucking idiot. Let's put it, let's be honest. You can just press start and go change appearance. So they have a, um, a barber shop option right there from the get go of the game, which is great. Online games will do that, but they don't fucking release it until usually like two, three years later. It feels like where it's like, why did it take someone to put a barber option in here to change my guy up? Like, this is ridiculous. Or they have certain stuff when you're looking at mats, right? Or you're not mats. Uh, when you're looking at a piece of equipment, I want to craft this uh, cool sword, right? Okay. You can plus, um, I think it's the right trigger in or maybe it's the x button and you can put a magnifying glass on the materials that you're missing and you're like okay i need plastic i need uh, a spring and all that shit right and you're like i don't fucking know where do i get this stuff from because you go around in the world and you like find a desk fan or a clipboard and you scrap it and that will give you a spring or you find wood or you find steel 
I mean, tons of different materials in the game. So when you're able to do stuff like that and you're out in the world and you look at an item and you're like, and it has a little magnifying glass next to the name, you're like, oh shit, this is something that I know I need for this piece of gear that I'm looking to craft and everything. So um, I've heard complaints from people whether like, oh, um, so yeah, like kind of moving on a little bit. I know I'm a little scatterbrained with this. this is what happens when you don't have a script. Um, I've heard people say like, oh, I hate it that, you know, weapons will drop like five to 15 levels above me and I can't use it. Well, I personally love that shit. I had the big, I had the most fun doing that, waiting to hit 25 so I can get my full set of power armor on. Once I did it, oh my goodness, it was amazing. And it felt so fucking good. And now I got more drops. Oh shit, there's this level 35 laser assault rifle I picked up. Oh man, once I hit 35, I can't wait. Because now then it allows you to play with different guns. So right now from level 1 to 50, and I'm mastering and being a crafter, right? So I can make all the epic weapons and armor in the game. I get a toy with everything so I know exactly what it is by the time I hit 50. And I really start kind of putting my gear in place and zeroing in on it. I can be like, oh, this is cool. This is rad. You know, this is what kind of weapon I want to use and the, and the attachments of it and what kind of armor I want to use and everything like that. So, um, or even stuff like the perk card system could use, like, I wish you could have preset decks that you do. So you can swap out cards at will at any time, which is great. But there's times where, like, hey, I have four or five cards that are about me crafting, right? Okay, I would love to be able to press a button and just swap it out with a, another set that I've prearranged and pre-built that allows me to go more combat heavy. So I just press a button. So when I'm in camp and I need to craft, I don't have to manually go through and flip out like six, seven different cards at a time. Um, but then they do stuff too. Like when you do camp building, going back to the quality of life stuff um, or focusing on that or trying to, they do stuff like when you build a camp, you can just like select everything you want and boom, you got a blueprint. So you don't have to keep rebuilding shit in your camp. You know what I mean? Or even if you have it stored, placing every single item, it's like, nope, you can just do it all in one to two button presses and you're done. So it's stuff like that. That's like, oh, it makes the game easier, not easier to play. Just, just quality of life stuff. That's all it is. And then there's other stuff they don't do where you're like, okay, like this is kind of a pain in the ass. Um, one other issue I've heard is the encumbrance. So when you get over encumbered, uh, basically you're carrying too much weight than you're allowed. You go ahead and it drains your AP. The higher your encumbrance, the faster your AP drains. And that means when your AP drains, you're just walking like, you know, you have a broken leg kind of thing. So that was a lot of, um, what's it called? inventory management I had to deal with from level 15 I think it was 225 so for about 10 levels I felt I played I was over encumbered 24 fucking 7 and it was fucking annoying I was like not a fan of it because your stash space is only 400 and I know they're going to increase it later that we just don't know when and to how much so that was kind of like ugh, this sucks ass but what I did is I went into my junk, and that's what they call it, um, with all the stuff you pick up and you scrap and everything. And this is the stuff you use to build weapons, gear, or your base, etc. Or repair stuff out in the world. Um, I went to steel, and then I got rid of it, and it gave me, like, I don't know, like 100 pounds of extra room. So since then, my over-encumbrance, like, I'm flirting with it a little bit, but definitely not even close to as much as I was. So, and then when you wear power armor, you get extra inventory space that way, or if you put points in a strength when you're character building, boom, you go ahead, you get more carrying space that way as well. Um, the one thing that they did change that I'm kind of glad they did, at first I was like, don't change this, was respecting your character. They are going to allow it down the road. I'm not sure when, 
but I've already fucked up my build, so that's great for me. Um, like I have not been doing good with that front. So I had a plan or I thought I had what looked like a plan. It has not been going well. So, um, and then as far as like the difficulty curve goes for me, there, there's certain areas. If you were to look at the map of fallout, the difficulty areas, there are some that are like from levels one to 10, some that are 15 to 25, like you would in any MMO, right? Then there's certain levels that are going to be 35 to 99. So as you level up and you get towards the end game and everything like that, when you enter these areas, the enemies will skill to you, which is great. So you're not fighting a bunch of like people that are lower than you and you're just kind of going through them and then you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. So um, the, the difficulty curve, when I got to about 20-ish, I had 20 gear across the board, weapons and armor, and the difficulty for me just fucking skyrocketed. There was no, there was no curve to it at all. It was like very... Not it was kind of I should say that yeah it was easy combat wise like I was beasting and then boom it went to like I was just getting my shit pushed in and I don't feel like I was yeah I don't think I was under leveled or my gear sucked or anything was broken and I don't feel like the enemies I was fighting were like too high levels above me kind of thing to justify that so um and but the one thing I will say is I've had two of and this just happened a couple days ago I had two of the most fond gaming moments of my life occur playing this game so when stuff like that happens it will have a special place to you where you will look at it differently you will feel differently about it than others um you know and then story-wise like we said there is no npc kind of thing again well there kind of is they just are really lame but everything is built through hollow tapes right that's how they tell the lore of the world of the area of certain places you're at i personally love that shit i think it's awesome here's the kicker though talk about glitches it hasn't fucking worked for me i don't know how many times i've played hollow tapes when i picked them up and i'm pressing the x button or a button to, it says play and nothing happens like i hear the thing start up and then nothing occurs so i have to physically go into my inventory and try to remember what the fuck the name of the tape was to play it so i know the backstory of the area i'm in the writing of that stuff certain hollow tapes can get a little long in the tooth a little bit where you're like okay wrap it up let's go um but other than those few i feel like the holotape and the storytelling that they're doing is extreme. I, I really, really like it. Fallout 76 Keep is a fucking sandbox to me. That's the best way to describe it. We give you the tools in the world to do almost anything and everything you want. And we give you a little bit of story, but it's up to you, the player, to create your own content, to create your own story. And I can kind of see their mindset because I've been able to do that so far playing this game. And that's super cool. Um, you know, just the other day I saw one, and I don't know if this was a glitch. This was actually a couple days ago. Um, where, boom, I'm sitting there and there's these three level 50 Scorch Beasts in the, let's see, southwest corner of the map. Three level 50s, I don't know if it's a bug, and you're like, what's a Scorch Beast, Danny? Basically, think of it as like an undead dragon. I think that's the best way. So some Game of Thrones shit. And I just saw a dude, and I saw him in the sky, and I'm like, oh boy, that's that's a big deal. And then, boom, I see this other player, random actual player running by with his mic on, just screaming, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And the dragons are chasing him. And I'm like, I'm not getting involved. Sorry, dude, but I'll give you some caps later for a gun. And so they build. So, yeah, it's just there's so many thoughts and feels about this game. You know, you, you can play or trade or just drop stuff and, you know, help each other out um, in terms of like building characters and gear for your your. You're basically your playmates and stuff, which is great. And yeah, I, I, if, how can I put it? So kind of wrap this up because we're pushing almost 45 minutes here. 
Fallout 76 reminds me of a more... How can I put it? A more thought out and developed, so ahead of the development curve, of a No Man's Sky. So, No Man's Sky is a game, it's very different, it's, um, it has its things, it's gotten better, blah blah blah, right? I feel like 76 is similar to that, but but basically way higher on the development scale than No Man's Sky is. And I think as long as Bethesda keeps working on it, fixing the bugs, everything like that, and I'm not here to tell you that every criticism from critics or users is completely unwarranted, um, because I don't think it is. Do I think they go a little far and go a little crazy, and I think people are just kind of all circle jerking each other, getting off to the idea of shitting on this game? And yeah, I think so. I think that's... That's just this mob culture that we've seen in gaming, and that's I think that applies here. Um, I'm I don't know maybe I'm just getting old, or I, I just I'm losing my eye talent for these games and stuff like that. But there's no way anyone can convince me that Fallout 76, from what I've experienced and played, is the worst fucking game ever. It's a piece of shit. Like, go play Mass Effect Dromeda. That's a piece of shit. Okay, let let's be honest here. Go play Destiny 2 launch. That's a piece of shit. Okay, so. With Fallout 76, it definitely has its issues. It's not perfect. They have they have work to do. Um, and I think quite a bit of it, too, if they're really... But they have this small window where if they can patch in the quality of life stuff without fucking something else in the game, they can do it. Because it seems like the people that are playing it are in love with it. And I'm one of those people. I can't put it down. Like, I just want to keep playing this game. And playing it solo is one type of experience, there's no doubt. But then when I jump on with my brothers and we play, it's a different type of feel and experience, it's like playing a different game. And I think that's a good thing, and it keeps it fresh. And, you know, when you get your fucking power armor set and you got a, a Gatling plasma gun, so basically a Gatling gun that fires lasers at people, and when they hit them, they fucking vanish into dust. I'm sorry, it's one of those just amazing feel-good moments that you get in gaming. And there's so many secrets and so many little Easter eggs and hidden stuff throughout the game that I have found, and I have yet to find and just you know there's factions you join and you level up with them and there's story based there and it's just there's just so many things to it that just reminds me of like that old school mmo feel and that's something i've been waiting for and looking for for a while so i think as long as they support the game they keep it going and they just do them they do what they they keep with their vision you know they have a certain idea about this game and just keep doing fuck everything else fuck the outside noise just keep doing you don't cater this to a, a more casual crowd but don't just keep working on the game, okay? Keep it focused. Treat your player base right. Don't fuck them over. And I don't th- have any reason to think Bethesda will, but we'll see and stuff like that. Everyone's been proven wrong, obviously. So my final review score for Fallout 76 is I'm gonna feel comfortable giving it a 3.5 out of five. So I think yeah, that's not an. I think that's like a B, right? Maybe a B plus. Well, whatever is a solid B, that's what I give it. Um, but again, I just I've been having the greatest time with it. A lot of amazing gaming moments with it. And again, if someone plays it and they're like, I don't feel like they go too crazy on the survival shit either with drinking water and food. I really don't. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some improvements to be made. But I'm very curious. I just feel like this is an onion that I keep peeling layers back, and I'm just finding more and more. And there's just so much to go to and experience. And I'm just having the best time with it but we'll see what happens in a couple months you know once i get into it i could maybe see a different level of the gameplay loop that i wasn't noticing before that totally ruins it who knows and like i said the end game could suck 
and then i mean that's the point of these type of big online games and everything like that so if that's the case and you know hey red dead online i can't wait i'm waiting for you even further you know so anyways yeah, that's my thoughts. So yeah, 3.5 out of 5 or whatever it would be for Fallout 76. I'm, I'm enjoying it. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about it, reach out. Let me know. I'm happy to have a discussion. Because I know this has been kind of a hot topic for some people. And I just think the the overabundance of shitting on and hating on, it's a little overblown. But from my experience of what I've played on the Xbox X version, it's definitely not the bug massacre mess that, you know, I've been that I've been, that I've been seeing, I should say. So, all right, I'm going to try to finish this up because I'm rambling. My throat's dry. 45 minutes. Ah, my goodness. So yeah, that's going to do for me, you guys. I hope you all enjoy today's episode. If you like the podcast and want to help it grow and or support it, information and links can be found in the description of this episode on how you can do just that. Um, such as reading it, reviewing it on your preferred podcast listening platform. Uh, this can include what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of, etc. Um, also, feel free to share the podcast via social media or friends or family, Reddit, etc. that you may know. Um, but better yet, get involved on the podcast by submitting listener questions. Um, you can submit said questions to the havenpc at gmail.com address. That's the official email of the podcast. Um, search the Haven Podcast on Instagram. I also have a link in the description, as I said, on that. You could submit um messages you know slide into my dms if you want to that way um or even on mixer which i am streaming so i'm working on the mixer schedule this construction at home is fucking throwing everything when i start getting into a rhythm i get less than 24 hour notice from my landlord about hey we're coming in to do this so i'm hoping it's going to be done in the next week or so and just put this shit to bed so i can get on a streaming schedule that's consistent so i'm looking hopefully monday through friday specifically on mixer from 10 a.m pacific time to 2 p.m pacific time and i'll be streaming fallout 76 mostly and then when red dead online comes out i'll probably differentiate the schedule that way and and what have you so and just kind of mix it up for both of those games um so yeah tons of ways to get involved and i know i would appreciate it um you guys sending your listener questions in and you know keep in mind too those questions don't have to be related specifically to topics we discuss each week um or any of the talks we discuss each week, I should say. It can be about anything. So, all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Have a great weekend. Hope Thanksgiving was awesome yet again. Black Friday was an embarrassment. Um, Just get your grub on, eat it up, play some video games, spend time with your family, whatever it is you want to do. Just have fun with it and all that stuff. And I will talk to you guys this upcoming, let's see, Friday? Yeah, Monday. All right, take care, you guys.